Warning. The podcast you are about to experience may contain content that isn't suitable for younger audiences. So, if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Well, we've warned you. Welcome to the first ever episode of Villainology, a podcast revolving around our favorite personifications of humanity's darker side, and what truly makes them the scourge of their respective worlds. I am your host, Rob Mobley, and this is both really exciting and really terrifying at the same time. Uh, The timeline from conceiving the show to actually recording and editing took less time than the Titanic was at sea, so if I start drowning here, you can blame the ghost of Edward Smith. The basic idea here is that I present each guest with an opportunity to discuss at length someone who is widely considered to be a villain, and to offer their own personal insight as to why they find them so intriguing. Uh, Now, these opinions will be totally subjective, but I think that's kind of the beauty of it. I mean, we all have our own personal takes on these characters, and hearing the thoughts of other people on someone you either love to hate or hate to love helps us to really better understand them as a whole. Ironically, the night this idea was born... I was actually introducing our guest to the Back to the Future trilogy, which still boggles my mind that he hasn't seen any of it up until then. He is an actor, a singer, an incredible pun slinger, and he is the co-host of a brilliant podcast called The Amateur Detective Club, Mr. Tyler Riley. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It is, it's, it's, I cannot tell you how good it is to have you here right now. We first met doing a cabaret called Clue, Colin the Movie, Colin the Cabaret in New York, uh, where you and I played Professor Plum and Wadsworth, respectively. And you sang one of my favorite Disney villain songs, Hellfire, from Hunchback of Notre Dame. And, I mean, you killed it. You killed it. (laughs) Debatable. But I I appreciate it. No, it was great. (laughs) Your podcast, Amateur Detective Club, it deals with devious mysteries and fantastic antagonists on a regular basis. Tell us a little bit more about what you do on this podcast. So yes, we are a mostly uh, Hercule Poirot-focused podcast. You said said that so divinely, Hercule Poirot. I try, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we recap and review the works of Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot canon. We started with the, or the podcast started with the short stories and novels and kind of going through order. I was a replacement host. Really? Uh, I came, yeah. I, I thought came you were a founder actually, for some reason. <laughs> I came in episode 24, I think. But I've, yeah, since then. So I have been there for the majority now of the podcast, but I was not there in the beginning. People often forget that. Uh, or don't know that. Well, you're in, you're in the cover art. That's why that's why it kind of throws me for a loop because it it just feels like that cover art has been eternal as with that it's podcast. Funny. They changed like a little bit of the cartoon logo for us because I really just like the face got swapped out with the other person's oh. face. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just a simple Photoshop later. Just, oh yeah, yeah no, Tyler's just always been here. Quickly just photoshopped in. 
Um, <laughs> so you said you go through all of these, that, that you went through all the short stories that, that she wrote. Um, yeah, some of the novels, I forget exactly where we left off. For time's sake, we started doing just more of the Agatha Christie's Poirot series, the television series. Oh, nice. Uh, with David Suchet and Hugh Fraser. Classic. So we started uh, season one, and we're now on season five. Now, how many uh, seasons coverage. are there in that show? Thirteen. So you got you got your work cut out for you. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's also a British show, so it's not like the twenty-two episode seasons that we're used to. They're like sometimes thirteen, sometimes three. <laughs> you know? I just, I mean, yeah, it, like this is what we've got enjoy it and you're like okay cool i guess <laughs> no but so out of every story that you have either read or or watched what would you say is the one you think about the most i would say it's a tie in between um this is not an agatha christie book but we decided to do a holiday episode for the podcast so we read this book called murder for christmas which to this day we usually think about when we're reviewing a piece of media that we're covering for the podcast as you know at least it wasn't as bad as murder for christmas <laughs> like that's kind of where we're <laughs> I... we scale everything kind of based on that because it was god awful oh god well who wait who wrote that one uh or is it even worth mentioning at this point it's like something duncan i don't remember the person's first name but we were just like oh my gosh this is Awful. Awful. Well, I mean, at least now you know you can always do better than that. Yeah. You have also, in your tenure being there, you've had a number of incredible guests on your show, including two of my absolute favorite podcast people, Travis and Clint McElroy, which is so damn wild. Uh, is, is there a dream guest that you've always wanted to have on the show that you haven't had yet? Yeah, uh, before I answer that, just quickly... The McElroys are how Amateur Detective Club came to be about, because they're fans of Agatha Christie and the Poirot novels. Th- that doesn't surprise And through surprise them talking me. about it, yeah, through them talking about it, the idea of the podcast was birthed. So it really was wonderful to have Travis on, as well as Clint, and also Janet Varney, the voice of Cora and Legend of Cora. Yeah, uh, wow. They're, they've been the only three guests, and like we've only had guests this year. It's been something that we've been trying out, and the fact that those are the guests that we were yeah, able to get. you're off to a decent start. <laughs> <laughs> Very fortunate, and they've all been super, super lovely to chat with. Uh, is there anyone you would love to have on the show that you haven't had yet? I mean, putting it out there in the universe, Angela Lansbury, anytime You know what? No, ready. I'm send that energy out there. Come yeah. on, we, we, we can get her. We can get her. We can get old Murder, She Wrote in there. Yes, because we were covering Murder, She Wrote for a while for our Patreon subscribers. And what a wild show. I have not gotten into that. I know that, you know, it's a big thing. Is it still on Netflix? No, it's on IMDb TV and also Peacock, I believe. Oh, it's on Peacock. Oh, I believe. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up later. Yeah. Bless. I watch it through IMDb TV, but I just downloaded the Peacock app recently, and I'm pretty sure it's on there. I didn't even realize IMDb had a streaming service now. Yeah, neither did I until I was like on Amazon Prime looking for it, because it was on Prime, and then it got taken off, 
they were like, how are we supposed to watch these episodes? And it was like, IMDb TV. And I was like, what is this? Why is this? <laughs> like, why does everything need a damn streaming service? But that's a tangent I could go on yeah. all day. <laughs> uh, and I, I, as much as I would love to talk about it, I don't want to keep our guests waiting anymore. Tell us, Tyler Riley, which villain have you chosen? I have chosen my favorite Disney character of all time. My main man, his fineness and highness himself, Scar from The Lion King. Well, I was first in line until the little hairball was born. That hairball is my son and your future king. Oh, I shall practice my curtsy. Don't turn your back on me, Scar. Oh, no, Mufasa. Perhaps you shouldn't turn your back on me. Is that a challenge? Temper, temper. I wouldn't dream of challenging you. Pity. Why not? Well, as far as brains go, I got the lion's share. But when it comes to brute strength... I'm afraid I'm at the shallow end of the gene pool. Ah, yes. The Claudius of Pride Rock himself. Okay, so what made you choose this guy? Just, like, everything from his voice, the way he walks, like, be prepared. Like, everything about this man is just cool. Like, he is just, like, to me, like, he has to be a Virgo, in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) He sings the whole song about being prepared. You know, it's quintessential Virgo. Absolutely. Yeah, God bless Jeremy Irons, who had a birthday yesterday, which is ironic since it's your birthday at the time of recording this right now. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you so much. I didn't know I was a day apart from him. Yeah, so there you go. It was written in the stars, so... It really was. (laughs) (laughs) So he's your favorite. What is it... I mean, you said that, you know, he's cool, he's conniving and cunning. What about him separates him from not only the rest of the Disney villain catalog, but from you know, antagonists and villains from across the spectrum. So I'm pretty much here for any bad bitch. And Scar is, Scar's a bad bitch. I just choked on my wine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The hair is, the mane is on point. (laughs) He is rocking that Scar, you know. So. That or he contoured that up to all hell. And He's arguably the only Disney quote-unquote villain who's anti-segregation. Interesting. All he wanted to do was desegregate Pride Rock. From the hyenas and, and the rest of... Yeah, why are the hyenas like left to their own devices off in this little crappy patch of earth? But All isn't... he wanted to do is just bring them in. Just bring them into the fold. But wasn't that just a means to an end for him? Like, like, wasn't weren't wasn't he using them at the end of the day? And then when he was about to get killed by Simba, he sold them out. Okay, first of all, wouldn't we all have? You know, if it's, <laughs> if, it's, if, it's <laughs> if your life is being threatened, aren't you? Isn't the natural response to like save your own ass? Y- yeah, yeah. I- and I think that they were using each other. You know. They saw themselves as, that means that, like, it was, they were all using each other. They couldn't 
without Scar's influence, what little he did have in the Pride Lands, but he was part of the royal family. True. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm following. And Scar also, because of where he falls in the uh, Pride Land hierarchy, doesn't have enough support to stage a coup to rise to power himself. Fair. So, uh, so do you think that he, I mean, well, yes, they kind of talk about it how, you know, it was supposed to be that he would assume the throne when Mufasa passed, but then you, Mufasa And then the little hairball was born. Uh, do you think he was cheated out of that? Or do you think, I mean, that's just the way the news goes. Yeah, you know, he accepted the circumstances of his fate and he decided to do something about it. He was proactive. He saw a problem and he created a solution. I mean, yeah, regicide will do that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, he is fun. He, he, I remember reading a lot about him and he's easily comparable, like I said earlier, to, to Claudius from Hamlet. He's very yeah. Shakespearean in that way. But yeah, it's, what's funny to me about him is, and, and, and it's the kind of a similar issue I have like with a lot of Disney villains. I mean, not issue so much, it's just kind of a common thread that I've found. They... On like you can almost see where they're coming from on a certain level, yeah. But it's the way they get there that you're just like, this ain't it. That's that's not how you do it. Like why why are you assuming the throne by killing your brother and then trying to kill your nephew at the same time? Like I kind of get it, but that's like some next level bullshit. <laughs> and you know it's debatable. He could have had regrets, you know. He could have, you know, accidentally, oh, my claws were out when I was trying to pull my brother up and he fell. Oh, oops, my bad. Uh, all know, right, okay. It could be argued. It could, could, it it could be argued. Yes. Okay, no, 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 like, look. You, and he says, long live the king. Obviously, like, I want you to, like, oh, my oh, brother should reign forever oh, and ever. shit, 100%. You are a jerk. <laughs> you know damn well that's not what happened. <laughs> I, I watched. So I watched. I watched the footage today, and I. <laughs> it remains to be seen in a court of law. It, yeah. <laughs> I I watched the movie and Simba's Pride last night, which is an oft overlooked sequel to this movie. It was very good. And yeah, I mean, I think I said to you yesterday that I, I completely forgot that uh, he lives in you was in the second one. And it popped out the same. I was like, wait, why do I know this song? This is a bop. Oh, it's He Lives in You. Great. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you can kind of tell. He he was really enjoying throwing Mufasa to the, to the wildebeest down there. He, he was real happy about okay. that. Haven't you ever been like, oh, I'm going to be like kind of teasingly mean. Te- and then like something like you just take it a step too far. Everyone makes mistakes. You know? Did, did someone hurt you? Tyler? Do you want a list? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! It's... Why do you think I am how I am, Rob? I mean, you you, you did choose Scars. I can't... I can't fault you on that regard. (laughs) And also, Scar was blamed for global warming, which is really unfair. Uh, Oh, with... He didn't just cause wildfires. Like, that wasn't a directive from Scar. Okay. Yeah, you know, you know, I can, I can, I can side with you on that. I, f- I feel like it was very. Yeah, the climate is as circumstantial. Lion's control. 
I mean, they did He's not say out, uh, the Savannah, you know, spraying aerosol cans. That is not him. I mean, oh, okay, but to be fair, uh huh, his wife in the sequel was all about burning that land. Well, yeah. Now that you know her man is gone, certainly, I'd want to burn it all down too if I was her. I'm always that person. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of? The recent movie that came out, uh, which you would tell Edgy for as Scar. I still haven't been able to bring myself to see it. Because from the trailer, and I saw how emaciated and how mangy they had Scar look. I was like, yeah, I'm done here. I, I don't have any interest. <laughs> you have him looking like this complete badass in the cartoon. And then he was unrecognizable almost in the trailer and i was like i don't have i don't have an interest if you're not gonna put respect on scar's name (laughs) i don't want anything to do with it well they did kind of make him a little bit more pitiable in terms of you could tell that he was getting the short end of the stick for a long time under mufasa's rule not that it's specifically mufasa's fault or whether 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 it was his fault or whether it was through his own self-pity yeah. Um, it's it's curious to see how they did. I mean, I thought that Edgy Four was probably the highlight of that movie. Yeah, fantastic actor. Like, I was not mad at the choice uh, of voice actor, except for the fact that I know Chilton can't sing and doesn't sing. Like we um, in the Kinky Boots movie on which the musical is based, like he has to sing in that, and you're just like three seconds in, like you're like, oh, okay. So when I knew that he was picked, I was like, are they going to hire another person to do the song? And then I heard that the song was cut. And then I also heard that like the song was just kind of spoke through. It's it's there. It's not the song as we know it. Mm-hmm. He does do the lyrics and they do be prepared. Like you can hear the chorus in there, but it's not on the level that it is in the animated movie. Where, you know, he goes full-blown Adolf Hitler in one scene, and the hyenas are just goose-stepping below him. And you're like, oh, that's what they were going to try and say with this number. Nope. High old no to that. I I don't, I don't accept that. Did you say high <gasps> no? I said high old no. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's, I, I, I love this character, how, how sardonic he is. Um, and how much, I mean, I think from, from a weakness standpoint, I mean, he has a serious inferiority complex. Well, also like me, he has a bad back. Go on. Yeah. Pardon me for not jumping for joy. Bad back, you know, is what he says to Simba. That is what he says. Oh, you're right. Absolutely. And it's also like a dream role of mine. Cause as you mentioned before, I'm an actor. And the fact that, you know, this is a character that I could still feasibly play in my lifetime once Broadway returns, knock on wood. Knock on, for real. It's, it has been too dang long. But I feel like Lion I still haven't seen it on Broadway because tickets are like a You haven't seen it. Okay, I need you to send that in a text to me. Because I was racking my brain at the beginning of this year when we were finding out, um... When we were scheduling the matinee for Lion Kings with with the kids, and I was like, "There's somebody in my life that has said that they have not seen Lion King yet." Yep, that's it's me. You. I haven't okay. seen it because tickets are like a billion dollars to see it still. 
Yeah, I go every spring. So yeah, I have to just. Well, now I'm no longer in that department. I I work at TDF. (laughs) Oh man, which needs your help? Give.tdf.org. You know, and yes, I will put that that uh, that website in the description below. They are a fantastic organization that helps out so many people. uh, Not even not not just within the main New York City area, but with within outlying regions as well. And if you have, I know at times are hard, but if there is like anything you can spare to toss their way, they could definitely use your help. So final thoughts on Scar. Like what, what is it that makes him just the be all end all for you? I think just cause I can so relate to him. Uh, just like having like those visceral reactions. Like I grew up not feeling Uh, I grew up not receiving the attention I felt that I needed growing up. And that is a very personal, (laughs) a personal reflection, like my own view of life. Like, you know, as an adult looking back, I'm like, you know, I wasn't, you know, as um, forgotten about as I felt growing up. So, like, when I was growing up, like, I could understand Scar. Because I held a lot of resentment to my older siblings. Because of the, felt, the way I felt that they were treated um, as opposed to me. By parents and family members and all that. So, I grew up with, like, some kind of, you know, resentment that I grew out of. Because you grow up and you, <laughs> yeah. you get more perspective as time goes on. But, like, certainly as a child, like, I really connected to him because, yeah, it sucks to be looked over. And I think we can all, you know, kind of understand that. I don't think a lot of us would go to the lengths that Scar went to to kind of prove himself. And it's, you know, uh, he was supposed to be king. Like, he felt like it was his due. It was his time. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mufasa and Scar are of a certain age and lion years. I don't know the exact (laughs) uh, life expectancy of a lion, but, you know we are like are led to believe that they are, are of kind of like they're getting up there in age you know either you know mufasa has to produce an heir at this point or it's going to you know just fall to scar once mufasa passes and if that's what you're being groomed to do your entire life is take over a kingdom and then all of a sudden you're cut off from what you thought your life was going to be you know how would you react to everything that you thought your life would be has just been taken away kind of in an instant. How old were you when you saw the movie for the first time? I know it was in theaters and what this movie came out in like what 96? I think it was 95, yeah. 95, so I was 4. So you yeah, you and I were like were right around the same age when it came yeah. out in theaters and I I kind of remember I I I personally identified more with with Simba, with uh, which I think a lot of kids did, but it's it's fascinating to see that you really kind of latched on to Scar in that way, and and because I mean it's it's a very valid feeling I think for a lot of kids that are you know middle children or 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 
the the youngest that mm-hmm. feels like they are being uh, overlooked by their family for, for you know no real reason. It's 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 just the way you view it as a child. Right, like my family is great. I love them. They love me. I want that to be clear. <laughs> but you know, as a kid, you know, like you're very, you know, inter- like you're only considering your own feelings. At you know, you know, you're going through life with somewhat blinders on as a child. And, you know, those blinders you hope get taken away as you grow up and get older. Uh, so I have certainly more perspective now. But like certainly, as you were saying. Um, but that's I think that's kind of the beauty of it to where I think the best villains at heart are people that we can still empathize with and people that we can still connect with because I mean scar's not human, but at the end of the day, most of these people are yeah and very I mean yeah, you do have the kinds of villains that you know they you know they wring their hands and twirl their mustaches and say, ah, I'm gonna do this because I'm evil and but I, I think, I mean, this is just my personal take. I think truly what makes the best villain are the ones that feel like what they're doing is the right thing. Yeah. And for someone like Scar, who has gone through life being slighted and felt like they have been wronged this whole time. And uh, yeah, it's it's very easy to understand why they would want to do what they did. It doesn't make it right. But yeah, exactly. You you get it, uh, and that's I mean, and that and again, but I mean, this this is the conversation that more or less inspired me wanting to make a podcast like this, because there are these moments, and and ironically, everybody that I've either approached about this or has approached me about wanting to be on the show, no one has said the same villain. Interesting. No one has. And not one person has said something the same as someone else, which is fascinating to me. That really is. Does that mean that, you know, one person connects with Jason Voorhees a lot? I don't know. I doubt it. But you know, <laughs> I certainly hope not. Uh, but it's but that's the thing. I think everybody has, regardless of how heinous a crime these people committed in one way or another, there's still something about them that is alluring, that draws us to them, that, that makes what they're doing means something to us whether it's for good or bad and i i mean that, that's that's such that's a fascinating thing to me and i would argue that like at least in the disney universe the villains have the best songs absolutely they do 100 percent. where would you rank be prepared on the length on the you know the list of great villain songs I'd definitely say somewhere in the top ten. Fair. Like, there's a lot to a lot. kind of go through, but I would definitely say in the top ten. What would you say is like your number one? Oh man, I could give you like a top three, probably. You could do it. Top three is great. Um, Friends on the other side, Hellfire, and Be Prepared. I would say are my personal top three. You like stole two of mine. <laughs> no, no, friends on the other side is like my number one. I and the thing is, I didn't watch Princess and the Frog until only like two years ago, two or three years ago for the first time, and I was instantly like, I am a moron for waiting this long to watch this movie. <laughs> it's the perfect aesthetic. It's so good. 
And that song, the animation that goes into it, the the, the performance, yeah. and just how clever the lyrics are. Absolutely, it's such it's it's one of the few forward moving songs. Yeah, he, like he's telling you exactly what is going to happen, but until like you really, it took me like three listens, and like each time I listen, I find like another thing. It's foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. It's so good. The lyrics are incredible, and Hellfire is just. I, uh, it's heartbreaking it's, in it's, a way. It's heartbreaking. I mean, I'm, we're going to get into this. So, uh, I'm having in the future, I think you might know Christian Vernon. Uh, he's coming on to talk about Frollo. Okay. Awesome. I, I, and I anticipate this conversation being heady. Cause yeah. He, <laughs> so you all have that to look forward to in the future at some point, uh, having him talk about that on the program. But, um, yeah, this has been, insanely great to have you on here uh thank you so much for taking the time of course out of your birthday to come and record <laughs> this dumb podcast i need something to do before i watch Lovecraft lovecraft country oh god that's tonight yeah so <laughs> so we're recording this on a sunday and and both tyler and i have been watching lovecraft country and if you and that's another thing if you haven't been watching that show i mean i'm hbo you can toss me money if you want to uh <laughs> that show is is so damn good and you're missing out if you're not watching it. But um, go follow the Amateur Detective Club podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this on. I'm assuming Spotify, but hell, what do I know? Uh, thank you to Ross Lampert for composing the theme song to this podcast. He's a brilliant dude. And if you're in the market for any sort of music production needs, uh, head over to his website at daggerandink.com. And uh, thank you, listener, for carving out a little bit of time for us today. Uh, if you like the show, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Villainology Podcast. And drop us a comment on who you'd like to see discussed next. Hopefully we'll see you next time. Stay foolish, mortals. ha 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 ha.